before Christmas. Last week we talked about the silence before Christmas. How God had been silent for 400 years and, and when he came to first to Zacharias and Elizabeth, he slipped into the temple through, the, through Gabriel and Gabriel spoke with Zacharias and because of Zacharias' doubt, God made him silent. So he couldn't run around telling all the world about the, the angel that he saw and the, the promise that he gave that, that uh, Elizabeth would bear a child and in a very silent way. I don't think there was any, any thunderclap or any, any miraculous sound that came out of heaven. God restored Elizabeth's womb and allowed her to have, allowed her to conceive John the Baptist. And then on a very quiet evening, God slipped into Mary's house in Nazareth by way of an angel by the name of Gabriel, the same one that had come to Zacharias, had a very quiet conversation with her. It wasn't earth-shattering. The neighbors didn't run out and say, what's happening over at Mary's house? But in a very quiet way, God came and he says, your favored one, I've chosen you to be the virgin from Isaiah 7, 14 that will bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. So very quietly, everything has started. All the wheels are in motion, and we're going to see today the next step in the story. We're going to see a couple of songs that people that were involved in, the, in this this. God coming to earth to bring us the greatest gift of all. We're going to see a couple songs. So I I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 39 through 45. Now remember, everything that I just talked about has taken place. Mary has conceived by being overshadowed by the mighty God. And now the the next thing that happens starts in verse 39. Now Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. 
Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of that which has been spoken to her by the Lord. Wow! What an amazing thing that happens. God is already prepared. It's been six months since Elizabeth conceived. And remember, what did Elizabeth do? Oh, she was, she was worried. I'm old. I've got this baby. Will I carry it? Will I miscarry? I don't know. So for, for five months, she stays secluded in her home. She was afraid to give the glorious news of what God had done. And then when Mary gets pregnant... Or, 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 the holy, or, or the angel talks to Mary, Gabriel talks to Mary. He says, by the way, just in case you're having a, a, a little bit of, of worry about how all this works, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. And, and Mary's kind of like going, oh, wait a second. She's old. She's never had babies. How is that? And he said, what did, what did the angel say to him? He said, because nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary gets the news. The conception happens just as Gabriel promised. And what does it say? that Mary immediately did. It says, now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry. Mary left in a hurry. Now why? I want to give you two reasons why Mary left in a hurry. Number one, she had to check out this promise. Elizabeth is pregnant. No way. I mean, this is epic proportions, just like Abraham and Sarah. Wow! I want to go see this. I have to see with my own eyes. I want to put my hand on her belly and feel the baby inside. Does anybody, does anybody do that? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people still do that. I can remember when, when my wife was pregnant and people would come, oh, you know, want to touch the baby. And, and, and it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of personal. That's an invitation thing. But God had invited her to be part of this miracle. He says, go, he, he didn't tell her to go and see, but she wanted to. Second thing is, the angel only spoke to Mary. Did you catch that? The angel came and talked to Mary. The angel didn't come and talk to mom and daddy and say, hey, your daughter Mary is going to carry the Son of God. How do you explain that to mom and dad when they didn't see the angel? She lived in Nazareth, right? Community of about 200 people. Now, we were talking about that kind of like Waterloo, right? The first news that Mary is pregnant 
What's going to happen? Because her, her, her husband is off building the house for them to live in. And what are people going to do? They're going to start talking. Ooh, Mary's, Mary's pregnant. And Joseph has been gone. Who's the father? Who's she been sleeping with? Right? That's exactly, and so Mary's like, how do I explain this? Because nobody else saw the angel. Gabriel appeared to her. So she hurries off. How am I going to explain this? Uh, uh, so she runs up into the hill country where, where Zacharias and Elizabeth lives, and she gets her, and I love what happens when she walks through the door. The baby inside. Remember what the angel said to Zacharias? That the Holy Spirit will be upon John in the womb. Exactly. And so, when, and what did he say to Mary? He said, the Holy Spirit, in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit was there in her as well. And the moment she steps through the door. Now I want you to remember, she did, she went immediately and she went in a hurry. She had just conceived. You could not see that she wasn't showing yet. She was just a, she may have been a week pregnant. You couldn't tell yet. But as soon as she stepped through the door, as soon as Elizabeth heard her voice, what did she do? The, Holy, the, the baby, the Holy Spirit, and John started doing flip-flops and, and cartwheels. Some of you ladies have experienced that. I, I see some very knowing faces out there. Ah! Right? I used to love to watch that with my kids. Just, bloop, bloop, bloop. yeah. My wife didn't like to watch it. But that baby, it, baby John in, the, in, in utero, he begins to praise. And what happened to Elizabeth? The Holy Spirit came upon her. You see, the angel had said, Gabriel had said, the Holy Spirit would be upon John in the womb, but he didn't say anything about Elizabeth. And boy, when the Holy Spirit breaks out, he breaks out. And what did Elizabeth do? She worshiped, not Mary. She said, Mary, you're blessed. You're blessed. But she worshiped who? The Lord. Did you catch that? Verse 43, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Wow. See, we sometimes lose sight in the whole Christmas story. Yes, Jesus is going to become born in a manger. But who is he? He's the Lord. That's kind of hard because when you're looking at this, you know, this little bitty baby that, that Mary's holding in her arms, how can that be the Lord? Oh, because nothing is impossible with God. 
And so Elizabeth worshipped him as Lord. And then in verse 45 it says, Blessed doesn't, he doesn't worship her. She says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of that which is spoken to her by the Lord. Isaiah 7, 14. For unto you will, uh, or excuse me, Isaiah 7, 14. For a virgin will give birth and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. So as Mary worship, or as, as Elizabeth worships the Lord, she didn't worship Mary, she worshiped the Lord. And then Mary has something to say, the song. In your Bible, it probably says the Magnificat. And, and some people take this and they, they, they honor this. But really, it's Mary honoring God. And, and, and some people make a huge deal out of Mary, right? You know, and, and really, Mary, Mary's the vessel. She's the favored one. She's the blessed one, honored to carry <coughs> Jesus. And so as we look at verses 46 through 55, I want you to notice who the focus is on. It's not on her. It's on him. Verses 46 through 45, or through 55. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from this time on in generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. And he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and have exalted those who are, were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. I want you to notice a few things that Mary says. The first thing is that she calls him Savior. Okay. Come on. There we go. Mary calls Jesus her Savior. I went to school with a gentleman by the name of Mark Lowry. He penned the song, Mary Did You Know? Beautiful song, isn't it? 
of all the things that Mary treasured in her heart. Do you know, Mary, that this little baby, right, that you're holding will be what? Will save the world. And she, as the Holy Spirit had expressed to her, you are carrying your very own Savior. You will see him die on a cross for your sins. Wow. How do you carry that? How do you watch your son? But he's her savior. The second thing that she says about this baby that she's carrying is that he is the mighty God. He says, she says of him, in verse 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The mighty one. We find that same word in Psalms 50, verse 1. The mighty one, God, the Lord has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. What are they talking about? What attribute of God is he talking about here? He, he is the creator. The one that is within me, the one that is growing inside of me is the creator. In the beginning, he was there. John 1, 1 talks about this. He was part of creation and yet he's growing inside of me. She says he's the mighty one, the creator, the one who when they were standing in the middle of the desert... With, with Moses and looking at the burning bush and Moses said, who shall I say since me? And God said, I am that I am sends you. The same person, the one who was before and will be beyond the ending, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the mighty one and next, she says, he is holy. And he's, when he talks about the holiness of God, I'm reminded of, of Isaiah once again, as Isaiah had this, this uh, um, experience with God as he writes in, in chapter 6. He says, in the year that King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne lofty and exalted with, with the train of his robe filling the temple. And the seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. Holy, 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 Lord God almighty, early in the mornings our song shall rise to thee. Amen. Holy, holy, holy. Why three holies? Have you ever thought about that? The Father, 
Holy is the Father, holy is the Son, and holy is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As Mary cries out that sings this song, and most likely this was a song that, that she had she had the melody that she heard in the song of Hannah, when Hannah praised the Lord and said when he gave her Samuel in her in her womb. She sang a very similar song and she has this tune and she begins to sing. She says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty as she sings this song. And then as we, we look down, she sings about one other thing. She sings about the mercy of God. Did you notice that? There's twice when she she says, uh, talks about his mercy. In verse 50, it says, and his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who feared him. And then as she closes in verse 54, he has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. When God was creating the tabernacle and he says, listen, I want you to build the, the Ark of the Covenant. It's the place that you will put the Ten Commandments in. And on top of the, arch, the Ark of the Covenant, what was placed? Anybody know? The mercy seat. The mercy seat was placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And when the mercy seat was placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant, what happened? It says the Shekinah glory of God came down and rested inside the Holy of Holies on top of the mercy seat is where God resided with all of the children of Israel. Unfortunately, you can go to the book of Ezekiel and you can read about the day that God's glory left the mercy seat for Israel. But I got news for you. God meets us at the mercy seat. When God comes down and meets each one of us in our sin, where does he meet us? He meets us at the mercy seat. I want you to look at Ephesians 2, 4 through, nine, 4 through 9. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's where God meets us. First, he shows us mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Right? That's what the judge does when he says, I'm going to show you mercy on the court. Not getting what we deserve. Because what do we deserve? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the mercy of God. But then it also tells us that what? We are saved by grace. What is grace? Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? You, somebody, somebody's been reading notes here. But it is, not, it's, it is getting what you don't deserve. You see, there's absolutely nothing I could do to earn heaven. But the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, he gave me mercy by forgiving my sins, and then he gave me grace, because I want you to listen to what it says in, this, in verse 6 of Ephesians 2. And he raised us up with him and seated, uh, seated. What, what tense is that? We got any school teachers here? It's what? Past tense. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The moment I got saved, Jesus said, I've got a place for you. Positionally, he placed me in heaven. And he says, one day, one day, whether, whether I call you up through the rapture or I call you up through death, you are going to come up to heaven and you're going to experience the amazing grace. Now we think, oh man, I've experienced God's amazing grace here on earth. And I have. It's been wonderful. I've watched God do so many things in my life. His grace. I mean, literally, it's by his grace that I stand and breathe before you. But when we get to heaven, his grace is just going to explode. We're going to walk into heaven and we're going to go, whoa. I think I'll probably just stand at the gates of heaven for about 10 billion years and just take it all in, take Take a look and see all of the people that God is there, that is there in heaven. That's what God, that's the grace of God. And Mary expresses that grace. Mary expresses that mercy that she is, she will, she's receiving the, the forgiveness of sin. But we, we got to hear one more song. Right? We got to hear one more song. We got to hear the song of Zacharias. And I'm going to skip a few verses here because 
Uh, it, it talks about Mary goes back to Nazareth, right? She's now three months pregnant. You know, Lucy, you got lots of explaining to do. Yeah. Right? We're going to see that next week. We'll, we'll see that next week. She's got to go back and explain to people why this, why this girl that's a virgin is pregnant and showing. But Mary goes back, Elizabeth has her baby, and everybody's gathered around, and, and they're going to name him Zacharias, because remember, Zacharias can't speak. And, and, and Elizabeth says, nope, his name is John, and so they ask Zacharias, and they, and they bring him a little board, and he writes on there. I don't know whether, I don't think they had whiteboards back then. I don't know what kind of board it was, but yeah, clay tablet. He writes on it. His name is John, and then God gives him back his voice. God gives him back his voice, and then he sings a song. Beginning in verse 87, or 67, sorry. He begins his song, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. He has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, salvation from your enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I show mercy towards your fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath with which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, who's he talking about? He's talking about John. And you, child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for he will go on before the Lord to prepare his way and to give to his people the knowledge of salvation but the forgiveness of their, by the forgiveness of their sins because the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. 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 First, I want you to notice the part that the Holy Spirit played in this because the Holy Spirit comes on Zechariah and gives him the word. But I want you to remember the Holy Spirit played a part all through this, right? The, who do you, he, first, he first came to Zacharias, right? And he said, You're gonna, your, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a boy by the name of John, and the Holy Spirit will be in his womb, with him in the womb. That's the first time that, that the Holy Spirit's talked about in the Christmas story. The second time, when Gabriel came to Mary, and he said, she said, uh, I'm a virgin. Uh, my mommy told me about the birds and the bees. I'm not really sure how this is going to happen. And what did he say? The Holy Spirit 
will come upon you. And the mighty and the mighty one will overpower you. The Holy Spirit was there with Mary. And then when they came, when Mary came to Elizabeth's house, not only did, did Jesus and, and uh, John have a little hallelujah in the womb party, <laughs> but Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we see this come full circle because when we get to Zacharias and God, he, he says, listen, you're not going to, the angel said, you're not going to speak until the thing is done. And when they go to name John, and he says his name is John, he got his voice back. And it says that the Holy Spirit filled him. The Christmas is the time for the Holy Spirit. This is the time when people by accident begin to think about who this is named over, Christ. It's named for Jesus. And it's a time for the Holy Spirit to open up people's heart. Why do I ask you to take this out, this little card out, and give it to somebody? Because there are people who will only come to church on Christmas and Easter, or not at all. <laughs> but that's the time when they're most success, susceptible to coming to church. So a little invitation, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest, right? The Holy Spirit does that little needling thing that he does. The Holy Spirit urges them along. The Christmas time is the time of the Holy Spirit. And when Zechariah begins his song, his theme of his song is redemption. Amen. Redemption. He begins talking. He begins singing. He says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and accomplished redemption for his people. And he talks about salvation. He talks about the mercy of God. He, talk, he talks down in verse uh, 77 uh, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. That was, he, he said, John, that's going to be your mission. You're going to proclaim before Jesus. You're going to prepare the way for him and you're going to proclaim. What did John baptize to? The forgiveness of sin. You need to be clean before the Lord. You need to repent. And as Zacharias talks about the redemption, I want you to understand that this redemption was planned. This wasn't a knee-jerk reaction because man had sinned. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. As Zechariah sings his song, 
<laughs> he talks about the fact that in the Old Testament, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham and he gave him a promise, the Abrahamic promise, didn't he? He said, in the Abrahamic promise, he, he told the people, he says, I'm going to give you a nation, and I'm going to give you a great people, but at the very end of the Abrahamic promise, it says, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And he reminds us, Zacharias reminds us that the promise that God gave to Abraham is going to be fulfilled through Jesus. And then he goes back and he says, not only that, but you promised us that that son's going to come through David, the line of David. As you look out here in, in verse 69, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Because David had prom God had promised David that there will always be somebody from the line of David on the throne. And who's going to ultimately sit on the throne? Jesus Christ. And that's why when you look at, the, look at the genealogy of Jesus over in the book of Matthew, who does it trace it through? The line of David. He said, all of the Old Testament has been pointing to the fact that Jesus is coming and he's bringing us salvation. And I love the way he, he finishes with verse 77, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation. And that's what we do, right? We should be bringing to people the knowledge of salvation. What did Jesus say? I am the way the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Zacharias said he's coming. John, my son John gets to play a part. My son John is going to go before him. He's going to be as one who goes into the wilderness and says, prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to have the power and the might of Elijah as he preaches. And, and if, we go to the, if we go to the Gospels and watch what happens with John, that's exactly what happens. He goes into the wilderness and people flock to him to hear his message of repentance, forgiveness of sin, because isn't forgiveness of sin what everybody wants. Yesterday, while I was playing Santa Claus, <laughs> this little girl, I, I had greeted him, and they were in the back seat of this car. She's probably four or five years old, old enough to write with crayon. And, uh, and so she says, Santa, Santa, here's my list. And so I, I grabbed this list, and, and it's just big, big crayon letters. Nothing's spelled right, but that's okay. 
Santa, Santa has the ability to transliterate, right? You know, he, he, he figures this, uh, this thing out. And I would think that everyone that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, if they could put on their Christmas list to God, the number one thing, I need forgiveness. Because we live in a world that carries the weight of their sin on their own shoulders because they've never met a Savior who wants to take that all away. A Savior who paid for that on the cross so that they would not have to carry it one more moment. But they could give it to him They could place it on the mercy seat and God would say, it's forgiven. And then his grace would say, welcome child.